to our org and just in general from like various studios. There were so many like talks and things. But the thing that a lot of people didn't realize was that like you're burning all of these black and brown and like Asian folks out like by doing all this at once. Because that's the sentiment I started hearing from our membership that they were like, I feel like I have to go to all of these things because it's never going to happen again for me. Hello, welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising Black, Indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I'm Yuki Okamura Wong, your one and only host for this week. Our guest this week is Bree Williams. They are a Black artist working as a production coordinator at Disney TVA. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Howdy. Uh, good morning, afternoon, uh, d- d- the dead of night. whenever you're listening to this podcast i don't know sometimes people get the creative block and like hey creative block shut up (laughs) yeah another podcast (laughs) another podcast (laughs) sometimes people get the creative block at like what three in the morning um and they're just me every time and they're just going like "Hmm, let me let me put something on so yeah hey morning noon dead of night whenever you listen to this how's it going uh yeah uh yuki gave me a really dope intro yes my name is brie williams i'm full name brianna but i prefer to be called brie and uh yeah a production coordinator over at disney tv animation on the proud family louder and prouder um check it out disney plus february 23rd it's coming it's gonna be great uh hope you enjoy it and uh yeah even though i'm a production coordinator though i am also artistically inclined and uh i am in the midst of pivoting over to storyboarding and uh mm. looking for storyboard revisionist work it's exciting that's what's up with me <laughs> awesome so before we jump into the interview the way we like to start off on Straight Ahead is by playing a little game called In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices, and then you have to choose in between the two of them, and then let us know why. Oh, okay, okay. Let's do this. <laughs> no pressure. All right, first question. If you were to break into spontaneous song and dance, would you rather do it as a goof from the Goofy movie or as a singing animal from Cats Don't Dance? Oh, my God. That's a tough one. Ah, uh, Maybe I'd rather... Break into dance like Danny and them and Cats Don't Dance, even though okay. big metaphor for uh, uh, minorities in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> but they got the moves. They can, oh, yeah. They can dance a little bit better than uh, than than those goofs. I love them goofs, but Danny and them <laughs> go hard, man. I want those moves. <laughs> yeah, a goofy movie is more like, oh, we're traveling. I think some of the, the sequences are more like, hey, how big and how many crowds can we get into right. this one shot exactly <laughs> i'm just exactly. thinking of them driving down the freeway and like like all these people popping out of their cars oh that makes me tired just thinking about animating that. and then the one like dead guy in the back of the hearse he's yeah <laughs> he pops out and starts singing and you're up. like wait what yeah <laughs> canon zombies the, that kind of it's it's more of like a cartoonish world right <laughs> um for, for sure cats don't dance like they they got moves they're mm-hmm. actually on broadway yes <laughs> uh, do you know what like what kind of animal you would be would you also be a cat uh so this is really funny so um i don't i'm not a cat person in the slightest um <laughs> cats i'm allergic to cats and um oh, same <laughs> i don't know cats are kind of boring to me and oh, cats are <laughs> i'm sorry cats are like really oh big. my god this cats is going big to, you're gonna get canceled so <laughs> cats are really big bitches they're just like 
They're like, mm, I'm going to look at you with contempt. And I'm like, get the, what are you, okay. <laughs> Fine. Damn. What, I don't what need I do? to work to, to earn your love. Oh my God. Okay. Wow. Um, like, I'll pet a cat. Like, everybody around me loves cats. But, um, mm-hmm. but the funny thing is, um, I have a character called Intern Cat that I draw. Um, that's sort of like oh. a comfort character that I yeah, draw yeah. when I'm like stressed out. And she's yeah. kind of like a projection of myself. So mm. I guess I would be a cat, even though I don't like cats. <laughs> <laughs> you don't always like Make who you are, sense. do you? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I totally get that. Yeah, I mean, I also have like a mouse character I draw as sort of like myself. It's not really like it's not a fursona, but I'm like, oh, I'll always, I'll always doodle this character to represent yeah. me or something. I don't, it's hard to, to explain that. Just like a mascot almost. But yeah. it's like I've never like closely identified with mice or anything, but I... I'm like, oh, this is a fun shape to draw. I just keep doodling it, you know. Yeah, like you, you easy just, for me. Yeah, just you just you just do it. Like you know, intern yeah. cats just circle and triangles and you get just, a lot of emotion out of it. Yeah, you get oh, a lot of emotion nice. out of it. And she's got boyfriend dog, who's the representation of my partner. So, <laughs> dude, of course. <laughs> All right, the last question: Which team of empowered girls would you rather fight alongside? The princesses of power from Shira. Or the Sailor Senshi from Sailor Moon? The Sailor Senshi, 100%. 100%. No questions asked. Okay. I love Adora and them, um, Mm. but I gotta go with my girls who have been there for me since I was a wee bab. So (laughs) I I would love to be a Sailor Scout. And Mm. um, I got a big old crush on the Sailor Uranus. So (laughs) I love Haruka. Or oh my god. Amara in the deep pioneer dub. <laughs> I like if you had a Sailor Senshi power, do you know which which one you would have? Oh. I never really thought about that. Um oh, okay. Never like identified with one. Well, I I identified uh a lot with this is very funny because I was just in the Sailor Moon fan podcast uh oh. the other week. <laughs> and uh I talked about how when I was very little, um, I used to really, really, really want to be just like Ray. Like I wanted to be Sailor Mars. And yeah, yeah. The older I got, the more I realized, oh, I'm not like Sailor Mars at all. I'm actually <laughs> like Sailor Moon. Oh, one hundred percent. Kind of like uh, ditzy, <laughs> big crybaby, but, but reliable. Re- re- reliable, big crybaby. Um, sometimes a little spacey. And uh, very uh, overly infatuated with their partner. <laughs> oh, it's like I just really, just really love my partner. He's just oh. very nice, and I love him very much. He kind of made me cry this so morning because I was like, oh, I just burst into tears, and he was like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "I just really love you." <laughs> oh my god, breathe, breathe! He started heart. laughing, and then he hugged me. <laughs> oh. That really, wow, that really struck me. I'm about to cry. (laughs) All right. Well, perfect answers. That was in between. Thank you so much for playing, Brie. If you audience members enjoyed today's in between questions, let us know your response. Or if you have any suggestions for future in between questions, contact us on social media. Before we get into the interview, I just wanted to give a quick thanks to you, Brie. We here on Straight Ahead are super excited to have you to kick off Black History Month. Heck yeah. And for those who haven't heard the podcast Black and Animated, please check it out. It's on Spotify, 
And um, also, if you just want to go to our website directly, uh, blackandanimated.podbean.com, you can just hit us up there as well. You just listen to like the direct links. Totally. And uh, you're one of the co-hosts and co-founders, is that right? Yes, I am. I am uh, the co-founder slash co-director of Black and Animated, the organization, and the co-host of the Black and Animated podcast. It's been running for four years. Four years, yeah. Yeah, for four years now. Yeah. Black and Animated, the organization, kind of spurred from the podcast. Yeah. And that's been going for three-ish, maybe almost, almost four years now, since we kind of became officially in Oregon, maybe in like around 2019. Yeah, that's really exciting. But before we jump into Black and Animated some more, uh, let's get to know you a little more, Brie. Sure. Could you tell us how you first got your start in animation? Of course. My first job in animation was I was a production assistant over at Wild Canary Animation. It's a smaller studio that most people haven't heard of, but you might have heard of the things that they've done, like Miles from Tomorrowland, Puppy Dog Pal, uh, Sheriff Callie's Wild West, um, and The Rocketeer. So a lot of Disney Junior properties, a lot of Junior properties coming out of Wild Canary. And um, this is just like a quick sidebar of advice for folks who are trying to get in the industry. I always say this, like, you know, don't focus on just like those big studios. Places like Wild Canary, Oddbot, you know, the smaller places, Shadow Machine. Mm-hmm. Titmouse too, I guess, is, you know, is becoming the bigger contender as well. Yeah. Um, But those places, you know, don't just focus on the Disney's, the the Pixar's, the DreamWorks, the Cartoon mm-hmm. Networks. There are other places that are willing to look at your work and take a chance on you. And uh, Wild mm-hmm. Canary was that place for me. <laughs> just bringing it back a little bit. Yeah, I went to college in Chicago. I'm from Illinois originally. I am not from California or LA. Mm-hmm. I don't know how people live here. <laughs> it's so expensive. Please yeah, save so me. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Get me out of here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we just we just need uh rent control and better policies. Um yeah. but that's a different conversation that I won't get into right now. It's expensive, guys, to be in California and in LA. But yeah, I'm a Chicago native. Um went to school in Chicago and then twenty sixteen I moved out to LA. I did not work in animation originally. Mm. I worked in graphic design for a couple of years. Like I fell into graphic design. I didn't study it or anything. Mm. I just went into it immediately after college because they were looking for um, storyboard artists to board commercials. I knew mm. I wanted to storyboard after studying animation for so long in college. And then I realized I like storyboarding instead, more so than animating. Um, <laughs> oh boy. I, 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 I took classes on it, but I was like, hmm. I'm going to let people who are good at this do this. I respect it and I enjoy it, but I'm going to let somebody else do this part of the job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, just working in graphic design at the graphic design company. They were like, cool. So you you, you boarded this commercial. That's great. You did the beat boards. And I was like, all right, when's the next one? They're like, oh, there's few and far in between. But can you do these digital banner ads? And I'm like, yes. So I had to learn (laughs) how to basically be a digital designer and like a print designer on the job getting in the weeds of photoshop and after and, um, not, and after effects and illustrator and illustrator yeah i don't like illustrator that's a weird one <laughs> it, it, it some people some people like it but me i'm like this program but yeah so i did that and then 2016 i moved to california because um my grandmother had passed at the top of the year and I also was just sort of ready to leave because, you know, mm-hmm. with the passage of my grandmother graduating college and 
being sort of stagnant and not in animation for a year and a half kind of made me feel like, you know what, I now's the time to to go. Mm. And uh, I got a phone call from a friend. Like I always tell this story that he was one of the catalysts for me leaving. My really good friend, Kalen Whitfield, mm. he's a board artist. Uh, now he's gone kind of fully independent, working on his like independent projects, a black queer artist. He's really great. You should totally check out his work. If you love like action, sakuga, black, gay, furry stuff, that's him. <laughs> He's great. Love that dude. A brand. He that is his brand and he's damn good at it. Really good. <laughs> and we talked on the phone and he was just like, you know what? Like why what are you gonna come out here in LA? Like, why are you still there? Like, he has he has a deep voice. <laughs> and, <laughs> Your impression. Yeah, this is my really bad impression of like Kaylin talking kinda of like this. He was like, Yeah, man, like, you know, we haven't talked in a while, but like what are you what are you doing? Like, when are you gonna come? And I was like, I don't know. And I didn't like that I hesitated. So mm. that made me decide, you know, I'm going to I'm going to do this. So fast forward, came to L.A., you know, didn't really get an animation job right away. I tested for a couple of storyboard jobs, didn't get them. And then I decided to, you know, hustle for animation on the side while I do another job. And I got in graphic design again. That paid the bills for a little bit. And then summer 2018 i got my first break working as a pa mm. on mirror royal detective at wild canary and it was intense but it was pretty good because you know smaller studios you wear a lot of hats at smaller studios yeah and um i went from being a pa to a design coordinator in five months <laughs> and then <laughs> Oof. yeah that's uh, real fast and then i became a post coordinator and then an episodic coordinator at the very beginning of the second season of the show uh, which is all out now i think it's all out now i know the second season is like out but i don't know if it's all out most of it is mm-hmm. out um you can watch it it's, it's at least started yeah it started it's really cute really cute um really great representation for like desi indian indian american oh, folks yeah, yeah. a lot of people were really excited by it just because they felt that you know the only really american animation indian representation that was there was unfortunately apu and it's not great. It's not great. It's not really well, we can good. just distill down to Apu, one character on The Simpsons that has been running for, what, 25 years or something now. Yeah. It's not great. No, not, 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 the, not the best. Not the best rep. And sure, people can be like, but what about Mowgli? And, and I, and I would, and I would uh, argue uh, that the Jungle Book, the Disney version, is mm-hmm. very much like so far removed from the culture that like yeah it being in india feels like set dressing which is just like you know that's not great either that yeah. i wouldn't really count that as like uh, again well, i don't want to speak for you know indian folks but for as someone who is uh poc mm-hmm. themselves i'd be like it's just so far removed from the culture or anything it just it doesn't really feel like anything you know right that's like, feel like representation. Anything. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, eh, Mowgli, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, that Mira was really great to work on. And then I got an offer to work on the Proud Family at Disney so cool. as a production coordinator. And it was it was it was pretty great. I never uh, imagined that I would be working on a revival of a property that I watched as a child. Mm-hmm. And also working with someone who i admired for so long in college and everything like bruce w smith is an amazing showrunner and just really talented like watching him like do drawovers and stuff just it's really crazy yeah (laughs) so that that that's kind of um the sort of tldr version (laughs) of how i got into animation in the industry and 
I didn't really answer like what was my catalyst for like wanting to be an animator. I'm so sorry. I just gave a no, no, you're good. That, that was just sort of like you know we like to talk about how people got their start because a lot of the times it's not a straightforward path. It's not like a oh I like Ariel reached out of the screen and I was like <laughs> I want to be in animation now and uh, like I just did it. You know, it was sort of like a winding path for you, right? Did graphic design, did all these other things. Now you're in production. It very much was a winding path. There is no one way to do it. And mm -hmm. the power of networking is crucial for those like students listening. I really hope you're doing more than just, you know, sending that application on the website. You need to be talking to people. Yeah. A very good friend told me that like an NDA Disney Junior show was looking for PAs because she worked mm -hmm. on Puppy Dog Pals, uh, Cassie Soliday. She's a wonderful person, wonderful writer. And without her letting me know that, I probably wouldn't have gotten that job on Mira as a PA because, you know, they weren't really posting their job publicly. Mm -hmm. It was just very like word of mouth, like, hey, you know a guy who knows, knows a gal, who knows a person who knows them over there, blah, 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 blah you know? Mm -hmm. And then for like Proud Family, um, you know, I was networking with a executive at Disney because of black and animated. And also like I saw, <laughs> I saw Bruce have a tweet being like, where are my POC coordinators at? And I'm like, I wonder what that's for. Hmm. <laughs> 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 so uh, just sort of like talking to people allowed those connections, and these opportunities to happen. Right. I've gotten plenty of interviews and, and got one offer from like website. Like I was, was about to, accept an offer for Young Justice season four through like mm -hmm. just applying on like the Warner Brothers website because I was looking for a new job after Mira but Mira and Proud Family that was like all con like connecting with people so right. gotta be talking to folks guys like it I'm a very anxious person I'm very shy you wouldn't think that because I'm talking on the pod on a podcast right now but I'm a very shy and anxious person I don't like talking to folks that much um but I but you gotta do it if you want to eat <laughs> yeah I mean, you can be a great artist, but if you like exist in a vacuum, then who's going to know? Exactly. <laughs> but like speaking of those connections and Black and Animated, what inspired you and Way to start the Black and Animated podcast back in 2018? And what was the original goal behind it? Sure. Yeah. So I can tell you right now that like when I was in college, I had no idea if there were other Black people working in animation. Mm. I had zero idea. The most I saw was my current showrunner, Bruce W. Smith, and then Floyd Norman. They were the only two people that I heard about working animation that were black. And mind you, you know, both black men. So I was like, where are the, where are the women at? And where are, the women? <laughs> where are they at? You know, <laughs> speaking on the binary, because like before I started yeah. thinking about like gender stuff. Um, now even like non-binary. Yeah. Like, and you know, where's the representation? Yeah. Now it's like, where, where like non-binary people, where like the gender queer folks, like where, where are they? Mm -hmm. What's going on? Um, but back then, before I you know had the language for it, mm -hmm. I was just like, where, where, where is everyone? What's going on? And it was wild too because uh, back in the age, the, the days of Tumblr, I just saw a post about Floyd Norman mm -hmm. floating around in February about like this is the first black animator at Disney, and he's really cool, and he is a very nice man. Met him a couple times. He's just Aww. he's very old, but you wouldn't think he's very old. <laughs> he like he does not look very old at all. Black don't crack. <laughs> it really doesn't, guys. It really doesn't. Like, I have met so many black people that I'm like, yeah, you're like 20. They're like, no, I'm 40. I'm like, damn. <laughs> and then people look at me and they're like, oh, yeah, you're like 16. And I'm like, I'm almost 30. <laughs> and they're like, what? Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't crack, guys. You look great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was just a bit of anxiety in college. And Wayman kind of, you know, 
he had the same thoughts. Mind you, I'm in Chicago having these thoughts. He's over in New York and also like in Georgia attending SCAD, mm. having these thoughts. So it's just like, you think, are we going to be able to do this? Are we going to have like a sustainable career? Because mm. even then, like you don't hear about like older black folks in the industry. Like, where are they? Like, what's yeah. going on? Like, um, is there longevity even yeah. if you get in? Yeah, yeah, even if you get in, is there longevity? So uh, it, it was a little anxiety inducing once, you know, you get that diploma and then you're off to the races to potentially start your career. But then Wayman and I ended up meeting around 2017 for the first time at a Cartoon Network mixer held by our storyboard mentor, uh, Chris Wimberly. He's now a director over at Disney. He's a really great guy. He had a podcast that was running for the longest time called the Animation Network Podcast, and oh yeah, and uh, like offered services with his group for like mentorship and like teaching all these other cool things. Um, but anyway, like Chris was holding that at Cartoon Network as like a mixer, and that's where Wayman and I met. And then we just started mm. kind of chatting, and then we met up again at CTN Expo, mm. and we we were just talking about it, and we were like, you know what, I'm having the same idea, like huh? And so we were like, you know, I was thinking of starting a podcast. He was like, I was thinking about starting a podcast. So it just kind of weirdly aligned. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, the universe, God, somebody, <laughs> nebulous, <laughs> omnipotent being just was like, you two should just meet and talk about these things. And so we just decided wow. to start the podcast to, like, showcase that representation of, like, Black people that are working in industry. Because it was like, when we got out of college and, you know, we mo moved here, we saw that there were Black people we just mm -hmm. didn't know if anybody else knew this. Yeah, <laughs> and we yeah. and we thought about how we felt in college and we're like, you know what? Let's make this podcast so we can interview black professionals at various points in their career doing various jobs. So that right. way other black students who are in college or even in high school, wherever, can like see this and be like, mm -hmm. oh damn, there are people like me that exist. Right. I don't have to feel alone. There are people who are doing this and making money. I can tell my parents that like, hey, I'm not going to be a starving artist. Hey, it's okay. It's a real career. It's a real career, especially to like, you know, black people, we're not, we're not a monolith, but sometimes, you know, we come from families that don't necessarily see art as something that is sustainable or as like a real career. Unfortunately, stereotypically like sports or, you know, sometimes like, you know, you got to get a medical job or do other things. And even my own mother, she was a little nervous about me wanting to do animation. She knew that I liked to do TV and editing because I did that a lot in high school. <laughs> Big weed making AMVs. <laughs> <laughs> but in high school, I got really into TV production because of my mentor, who I still keep in contact with, who was a teacher for me, uh, Bill Allen, really wonderful man. He uh, showed me like TV editing and things like that, and, like TV production, broadcast, all that stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. But animation just still was like in my gut. I couldn't make it go away. So like I have to do this. And my mom was just very concerned. She's like, is that a real like, I don't I don't know. Yeah. Can you like minor in that? Like, why are you doing that? So it is something that like we just really wanted to show that like this is a thing you can do. Mm -hmm. And our first season, you know, very, very scrappy audio quality not super the best <laughs> but you know we got people who are production coordinators animators who've been in the game for forever like dan haskett uh leonard robinson yeah. dan was a treat <laughs> and a very nice guy and i've got a doodle of daphne on my wall that he did for me Aww. actually and signed it just i didn't ask him he was just gonna draw daphne for you and i'm like thank you <laughs> 
like, wow, really a, a serendipitous meeting for you in a way, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, that you're both like, let's start a podcast. I am curious because, you know, you had all these guests with lots of different backgrounds and different careers. In our experience, for Straight Ahead, sometimes it's kind of hard to track down people who kind of fit like what we're trying to showcase. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard to track down fresh voices that aren't like in our immediate social circles. Right. Or how do you find people and decide who to interview? At first, we didn't really have a criteria. The only criteria was they got to be Black. Mm -hmm. That was the only criteria initially. Mm -hmm. But the more the podcast started to grow and the more we blew up, we would like look back at a season or look back at uh, guests we started to have in previous episodes and we'd be like, okay, are there too many men here? Are there too many board Mm -hmm. artists? Like, where are people who are queer? Where are people who are color designers? Where are people who are like production? We want to like try to find a balance. So that's kind of how we decide. We just look like... Do we have too much of this one thing? And then we try to avoid um, that particular one thing. And we also like make, we would make a, a list and we try to look in that list and be like, okay, who has been interviewed to hell and back by various mm-hmm. other things? Cause it'd be cool to have that person on. Like we get people telling us like, why don't you get this person or this person? And we're like, because they've been interviewed to hell and back. And like, you can go listen to that other podcast with that person, you know? You could just go Google like yeah. podcast interview with so-and-so. Yeah. Like, and it's, and it's nothing against them. It's, it's really just like, we want to try to get people who you may not have heard from before. Yeah. that That's kind of what it is. And there are some people that we have on our podcast that have been interviewed to hell and back, but it's like they got interviewed pretty heavily after we interviewed them. <laughs> so got it. <laughs> so that, that's kind of how. So if, so if you look at some of the names, there there are some like bigger names on there, but uh-huh. at least to our knowledge, we're we're not saying that like we made them popular. Like it, you it, were the catalyst. Yeah, no, no, no. no, no. It's, it, it's more so like we just grabbed them before a bunch of other people were doing it. I guess. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So following the success of the podcast, the Black and Animated community was formed, and now it's empowering Black professionals in the industry. Did you ever expect the podcast to become its own organization? And has that changed the podcast (laughs) in any way? Uh, We we very much did not expect it to blow up like this. Wayman and I initially wanted to maybe make it grow a little bit bigger, but we weren't sure how Mm -hmm. and doing what. The podcast, we just both had a lot of fun doing it because we love talking Mm -hmm. to so many different people. And it helped us connect with folks that we may have never met before. Mm. Like, like I think about the interview we had with Jeff Tremel. Yeah, and how um, he I had, love Jeff. He, he had been jonesing. <laughs> he had been jonesing to be on the podcast for a while, and I was Good. like, "Wait, what do you mean you've been jonesing to be on it? <laughs> like, we were too shy to ask you." <laughs> <laughs> And, but like talking to him was just a was just a treat. So yeah, like just someone who we interviewed a little while ago uh, last year, Lynn Sutherland. Like mm. we hadn't heard of her initially before, but she's been in the game for a while and just a oh, pretty bomb producer. Like there's just a lot of people out there that you know you hadn't heard of before, and then it's like, oh damn, like yeah, I like that. I like talking to you. Yeah. Like you're, but they they've always been here. Yeah, you've been here. That like, kind I, of thing. I like yeah. Talking to you. Like, tell me some more stories. <laughs> so that that is just really great and. But having the organization like sprout so big Mm. was good and I guess kind of like daunting at the same time. The very first inklings of it growing was when we were reached out to, I think it was top of 2019, by the recruitment at Disney TV Animation. Mm. And Wayman and I were very taken aback because we were like, why? Wait, is this is this real? Like, what's going on? What are they? What are they doing? 
uh, who, who are these people? Because <laughs> it's like, I've seen these names on LinkedIn, but now they're in my email asking uh-huh. to talk to me. Dude, you got a job? What's going on? <laughs> so, so, I was like, what is this? <laughs> but it was just a genuine, like, yeah, like, we're, we were looking for, like, artists, like, more diverse candidates. But then we found your podcast and we wanted to talk to you just to see if you wanted to partner with Disney TV Animation for something. And I was like, oh, okay. And we just had a meeting with Disney's recruitment team and the now current executive of DNI, Jay Francis. He's a, he's a wonderful person. Yeah, they just really wanted to partner with us and figure out how to do some sort of event with Black and Animated because he was like, are you guys an organization, like a group? Like, we want to do like a mixer with like your membership. And mm. like that meeting started to basically make inklings of maybe we should make this like an or kind of like akin to WIA or something mm-hmm. or yeah, yeah. or Latinx and animation, you know. There was like a gathering of black artists with a little mixer in 2018 or so, the previous mm-hmm. year, but it was not like part of like any affiliated thing. Nyla Magruder, she along with uh, Lorraine Great, who is part of our black and animated leadership now um, as the co-director of events. She and I used to work together on Mira in production, working with the two of them. And then Wei and I just sort of tried to make black and animated more of a foundational thing as a group and it's kind of blossomed from there and then in 2020 that's when kind of the weirdness happened where it's oh it blew up even more but i wish it hadn't blown up because of this and in Mm -hmm. 2020 when george floyd was murdered the industry kind of just remembered that black people exist I say this all the time, like everybody right. just suddenly remembered, oh, damn, black people, they, they have feelings. And mm-hmm. it was like, hey, hold on a second. And then BNA just started to get hit up by studios left and right, sort of asking for, you know, what have you heard about us? And like, how can we do better? How can we partner with you? Mm-hmm. And Wei and I were kind of sitting there like, this is a lot. And we're thankful for these opportunities for members of our organization. Like we created a discord as well that year to have like a safe space since we can't really do mixers anymore. Yeah. Because we had a mixer at the top of the year with Nickelodeon in person, you know, Mm -hmm. COVID hit and just like that. Right before, yeah. Right before. So we created the discord and it's like become like a really good, good space for people to network and to like find access to jobs, information, have random talks with professionals and hear things. It's like really great. Mm -hmm. Again, it's that double-edged sword of just like, you know, someone was killed yeah, and stuff like exploded because of it. And there were a lot of opportunities given out to black folks for like to our org and just in general from like various studios. There were so many like talks and things popping up to like try to like mm-hmm. give underrepresented voices like the ability to like hear about recruitment. But the thing that a lot of people didn't realize was that like you're burning all of these black and brown and like Asian folks out. Like you're burning them out by doing mm-hmm. all this at once. Cause that's the sentiment we started hearing from our membership that they were like, I feel like I have to go to all of these things and to see all these things because it's never going to happen again for me. We have like members, you know, black folks who are in Georgia 
who are like, I didn't know you could do any of this stuff. And I've never been able to like go to like a talk for like Cartoon Network or something. Mm -hmm. But then you're burning people out. So it's like a blessing and a curse, you know. And then like the performative allyship of like not following through with those job offers or opportunities or whatever. And then it's like retention as well. Because you can Mm -hmm. offer as many people of color jobs as you want. But if you're not retaining them or creating a safe space for, for them, then what's the point, you know? Yeah. What's the point? So 2020 was like a weird year for Black and Animated where like we were thankful to be getting hit up, mm-hmm. but it was almost too much. Mm-hmm. And in a way, it kind of made Wayman and I realize that we were both getting kind of burnt out. And we both decided, you know, to kind of think about like, how can we make BNA even more like organized and sustainable so that way when the two of us leave because we wanted to have like a bit of an exit strategy Mm -hmm. for ourselves because you know he he wants to be a director and i'm trying to do storyboarding like just just get in (laughs) yeah 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 because like for being in you know we're not getting paid for it like for people who don't know like we 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 don't get paid for this i ain't getting getting no money i'll do it because i want to because i I help because i think that like it's important just to give back because i wouldn't be where i am if people didn't help me so I want to help people as well. Yeah. I mean, I think it's already paying off creating the organization or creating that safe space and, you know, bringing people together, even like if it wasn't your intention. And despite the like really unfortunate circumstance that it all happened, like you said, mm-hmm. that door was opened, you know, for some people for a little bit. And because the organization existed, I think that really helped out. Like, yeah, when studios were like, we're the black people. They turn to you they, because they like did. you you already had some organization, which was which is great, right? Like that's a they good thing. They turned to us and then they turned to also like Abel Hayford, very, very, yeah, very great Abel, person. Yeah. Um Abel, you know, they made the drying all black hashtag. And that's actually why like we got to the all those black people got together in twenty seventeen mm. because to line up with Abel's creation of drying all black, I think it was either the mm. second or first year, I don't remember which one. But yeah, like they turned to Able for like database. They turned to us for like right. our database, and then it was start, starting to get a little like I don't know. It was a bit much. Uh, all that to say, yeah, yeah, it, it is a lot though. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Like for this thing that you were just doing to like help out, it's it's organization and like creating all these opportunities and stuff, or helping people get these opportunities. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work for you to do for almost very little thing. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, all that to say though, like I don't, I'm like I don't want to sound like um I dislike it because i don't like i i enjoy i enjoy what what i'm doing so some of these people were getting offers i have to assume that some of them are still working Mm -hmm. in animation uh still big uh black community working in animation but why do you feel it is important to have black representation not only on screen with black characters but the people behind the screen that are producing these cartoons i think it's so important to have that representation both on the screen and behind the screen, because it's like, you can have consultants up the wazoo, but Mm -hmm. there's something about actually having a person who is of said ethnicity of the character that you're putting on screen, either as a, you know, creative executive getting notes or as a director or as a, in the writer's room, you know, Mm -hmm. or, or even in production, like, it's very important to have people of whatever ethnicity of the per- of the characters on screen at every level or just at various levels of the pipeline mm-hmm. so that you can tell those more authentic stories. Like there's nothing wrong with white showrunners 
having shows with characters who are not white. Like, for example, like Craig of the Creek is a really good show. It's very wholesome. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, you know, a lot of that stuff that is authentically black that is in that show, it's not coming from the two showrunners, uh, Mm -hmm. Matt and Ben, who I've never met them, but they're, they seem like really like cool dudes. A lot of that is coming from the head writer, Jeff Trammell. A lot of that is coming from the board artists like that are on the show, uh, Deshaun mm-hmm. and yeah. like all those guys. Like, like that's Naja, uh, Naja, Tiffany, Ford, Tiffany yeah. Ford. Like that's coming from all of them, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's why like having that voice authentically at, at different parts of the pipeline means so much. Like consultants are important and they do their job. But the thing is like, I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, you can hire a consultant, but sometimes people choose not to like listen to consultants I've heard and uh, like I've seen floating around. Mm. You can like maybe listen to one part of a note, but maybe not both parts. And that's kind of dangerous, especially when you're dealing with like a culture or an aspect of someone's ethnicity that you're not familiar with. So that's why having people of that is like so important at different points of the pipeline. Mm. And especially at the executive level, let me tell you, like having more POC executives in animation is so important to me. Like I know that we talk about like as directors and showrunners, but I really think that like executives as well, Mm -hmm. because even if like you have a show that has like a main character who's white, but, but they like interact with like black kids or Asian kids, you know, or Latino kids, like, and then, like, there's something, like, really offensive, like, that happened, you know, something just really, like, off-putting or just, like, off, mm-hmm. like, or, like, a, like a dumb joke that's, like, eh, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. Like, that creative executive who might be Asian or Latino or Black, like, they'll catch that and be, like, hey, mm-hmm. stop it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Hey, like, maybe don't do not that. that. Yeah. Because people forget that, like, you know, executives, they're not. Like, there's a level of executive. Everybody thinks that executives are the boogeyman, right? And, like, mm-hmm. sure, they're, like, those really high top-level people that don't really look at the animation. Like, they're not in the weeds. But then they're your creative executives who are basically the champions of the show. They're the ones that translate, basically, for the showrunner to the network. Like, this is why this works. This is why this makes sense. And creative executives being different types of people of color is just so important like we really we really need more yeah (laughs) especially to like catch those in shows that are not necessarily specific to a certain ethnicity like even if it's just like a show about like a white kid doing something (laughs) with his friends like like i said like there might be something like really like off in there and then it's like they can be like just whoa wait a minute guys you need to fix that yeah just having an extra you know set of eyes and experience totally that's so important because that's how the world so is, important. right? Like, it's not mm-hmm. just one way. Like, there are different types of people in the world, and like, you need to have those different types of people working at different at at different levels in the pipeline. You know? Yeah. And so, like, kind of on that same note of having representation, like, all around us. And again, we're super happy to have you on to kick off Black History Month. But in your opinion, why is it so important to have these months of recognition, like Black History Month, Hispanic Heritage Month? all of these kinds of things. It's a bit of a double-edged sword for me because like Mm-mm. I sometimes feel like it's become a little corporate, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe, totally. maybe, maybe not a little. It's become very corporate. It's become very yeah. corporate. Let's be honest. These months have become very hella corporate, but on the non-corporate level for like, you know, like a regular average Joe, I think it's important, especially like, you know, in schools, like if you're a little kid, you know, I think it's important for you to learn about like the people you go to school with, you know, like I think it's important, especially like 
for like the like the little kid level just to like learn a bit more even though if yeah. it is like very basic service le- level it, it always starts when you're little just to like mm-hmm. learn more about different types of people in the world and as adults uh i think they're important for again like <laughs> very corporate but just trying to think about it in a non-corporate way i think it's important because you have events and things that highlight those people in those communities. Mm. But the important thing to remember is that, you know, these people exist outside of this month. Mm-hmm. Like Asian folks exist outside of just like, you know, their one month. Black people exist outside of their one month. Mm-hmm. Like we are here <laughs> and we're always here. And I right. think that's what's important is to like, okay, you learn about these people in this month. Keep that same energy for the rest of the year. You know, keep it forever. Keep it keep your keep whole it life. Just keep your it whole, going. Yeah, your whole <laughs> life. Like you put hashtag stop Asian hate on your bio, then I better see you having that same energy for the rest of your life. If you see somebody <laughs> being a big old racist, like you better you better keep that same energy. You put BLM in your bio, you better keep that same energy, better man. Keep like, it. <laughs> like, come on. Like, I, I, I don't want to see somebody being a big old racist to someone and then you just walk by like, don't, uh-uh, don't, don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and speaking of Black History Month, does uh, Black and Animated have any events or talks planned that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, we've um, actually got a talk about moving to L.A. that we're hoping mm. to uh, do. I know that like moving to L.A. in a pandemic seems a little weird, but <laughs> we feel like this uh, talk is important to have with our membership and just anybody that wants to listen to it in general mm. is because a lot of these jobs that are like based in L.A., a lot of them are kind of like location's not a problem now, but, you know, when we go back to the office... We expect you to be here, especially for if your job's a production job, for example, like a lot of them are like applying remote fine, but expect you to like be here when you can. Yeah. And also too, like it's important to know because like for artists, like your union status is affected by not being in LA. So we figure that a talk like this would be important just to be kind of open and real about like what to do when moving and how much stuff costs and just being realistic about like prices and like wages and things like that. Because, you know, a lot of studios like have talks with students about like breaking in and things like that, but never really get into sort of the nitty gritty of like how much I'm going to get paid though. What's what's rent like? What's going on? Mm -hmm. And people need to know that. Yeah. (laughs) People need to know that information. Is that going to be on your Discord or is that just going to be like a public, like a YouTube, Twitch stream or? We're right now thinking of kind of a public uh, Zoom webinar. Mm, Zoom. And uh, we're aiming for end of February. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Just to give people a little time for us to set up and people to like mark around their calendars. Totally. And outside of the events and outside of Black History Month, how can people get involved with Black and Animated? Yeah, people can get involved with BNA, honestly, just by shooting us an email, whether it's like, you want to volunteer with us or you want to get in the discord or go to the Facebook group. Uh, our email is a uh, black and animated at gmail.com. That's black, the letter N animated at gmail.com. And just shoot us an email and uh, you can check out our website, you know, black Check out our Twitter account at black and animated, or if Facebook is your thing, black and animated on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there anything else you want to plug on that note? Um, 
Oh Just boy. Keep it going. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, if you want to look at my art, I guess you can find me at Brianimator. Uh that's Brianimator on Twitter. Uh B R E A N I can't spell. <laughs> B R E animator. Yes, B- it, that's B R E animator on Twitter. I thought that Twitter handle would be cute when I was in college. So I was like, oh, I'm going to animate. It this. is cute. Oh. And now I'm like, I don't want to fucking animate. That's right. Somebody, you don't want to be an animator. Really Storyboard only. Be an animator. Somebody else is going to do that job 10 times better than me, and I'm going to let them so do funny. it. It's okay. Oh my God. Um, and then on Instagram as well, um, because Twitter is also just a mix of like me yelling about video games and Kingdom Hearts and anime. Um, Heck yeah. <laughs> my uh, art Instagram is also at Brianimator, but with two A's. I keep bringing this up. Again, I'm sorry, Brianimator, if you're listening, but there is another Brianimator who has <laughs> my uh, handle on um, Instagram. And I don't. I believe she's not an artist. I don't remember. I remember looking at it and just being mad because somebody else tied my handle. <laughs> it was just like selfies and, and food pics. Something like that. And I was like, mm, okay, I guess. That's so funny. Hey, I'm sure Br- the other Brianimator is a nice person. But yeah, uh, Instagram Brianimator, but with two A's instead of one. <laughs> um. That's that's awesome. And as we wind down for our final question, do you have any advice for those that want to pursue a career in the animation industry? I think I said I said this earlier, but I, I know it sucks, but you gotta talk to people. You really gotta talk to people. Shy folks, I know it's so hard. Introverted people, I know it is so hard. I I I get it. I feel you. I feel it in my bones. <laughs> But you you gotta talk to people. You gotta send those cold emails. You you gotta network. But network with like, you know, not the intent to like use people. Network with the intent of like genuinely wanting to learn and make a connection with the person. Cause now that I'm in, you know, a working professional, I, I do get emails every now and then from people and and sometimes I forget to reply. This is another thing too. Like if you send <laughs> if you send those cold emails and you don't get a reply, it's nine times out of ten it is not personal. People are probably super busy. super busy. Or a hundred emails a second. Yeah, or they just forget. Uh, th- I do both. I look at an email sometimes and I'm like, yeah, that's great. And then three months go by and I'm like, oh no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I forgot about this email. I forgot about this. Like you do a mental like reply, you're like, hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a young buck, like, yeah, that's, that's great. I'm glad they're passionate. And then other things happen. <laughs> I'm so yeah. sorry. I know there's a couple of people actually that are in my inbox, and I'm like, oh god, it's been a month. <laughs> I need to get back to them. <laughs> um, uh-huh. So if you're listening and you're like, ah, oh, she can go on a podcast, but they can't, they can't go on a, <laughs> no, they can't reply sorry. to my email. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're, we're just people we're just people i'm calling myself out a little bit <laughs> no <laughs> yeah that's uh yeah that's my advice like you gotta yeah talk to people send those cold emails just make sure you're doing more than applying to a website because mm. you and five thousand other people are applying to a website right but maybe only you and three other people are talking to somebody who may be working 
adjacent to that job or in that job or in the hiring position of that job. Just just talk to folks and do it respectfully. Don't just roll in their DMs or send the email like, hey, give me a job. Like, don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> but I've also gotten those two where it's like, hey, you work at Disney and you tell me like the secret to getting hired What's the there? secret? What's yeah, the secret? where's the and secret like, sauce, dude? I'm like, what? There's no secret. <laughs> that, was, that was good advice. I, I agree with that. I mean, yeah, being like shy or anxious and being like, oh, I don't want to bother anyone. No, you got to put yourself out there. <laughs> oh, and, and also try... <laughs> Just try to avoid Twitter drama as much as you can. <laughs> this is a very this is a very 2021 yeah. 2020 quarantine piece of advice. Just please for the love of God, do not get involved with Twitter drama or y- y- don't get involved with like Twitter drama with working professionals. Like don't don't do it. It's just, just not worth it. Just you know, you know that image of the cat with the keyboard and cats just like it's time to stop posting. Just yeah, don't, don't you do that. Yeah, it's that one. Just <laughs> it's, it's that think one. about that. Yeah, think about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today, Bree. And if you, audience member, enjoyed our interview, please rate and follow us on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Straight Ahead AP. Uh, we are officially on Apple Podcasts, and I believe on Spotify you can rate podcasts now, which is kind of cool. Uh, it might be in beta. I don't know. Please rate us. It helps us uh, boost us in the algorithm. It would really increase our visibility and raise this platform so that we can raise these VIPOC voices. If you have any suggestions for future guests, please contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. We love discovering new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. Thanks, Daniel. <laughs> Thanks again for listening, and thanks once again to our guest, who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Enjoy the show. I'm singing a bad song because it's how women and I do it on the podcast. We usually burst in the song and then we fade out. Uh, uh, uh.